Thank you, Jesus, that you never stop working. Amen. Amen. When we don't feel it, he's working. When we don't see it, he's working. We often find ourselves in the midst of a lot of circumstances and we say, God, are you still working? And tonight, he's working. There's a reminder and encouragement for us that he's still working. Dear church, I'd love if you'd open the word of God with me this evening to the 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest, when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Amen. Please be seated. After Paul gives his famous speech in Athens where he proclaims the unknown God to the philosophers of that age, he departs to Corinth as uh, chapter 18 of Acts depicts the happenings to us. And he spends about a year and a half there along with Silas and Timothy and he plants a church evidently in that area. As was his pattern on his journeys, he usually goes to the synagogues and it says that Every Sabbath, he reasoned and taught them about Jesus being the Christ. He helped connect the law of Moses and the prophets, exclaiming how they point to Jesus as being the Messiah. Some Jews believed, however, mainly he was met with rejection, uh, with resistance, hardness of heart, after which then he would proclaim the message to the Gentiles as well. However, in Corinth, he did have some converts, including Crispus. Uh, He was the ruler of the synagogue with his whole house. Many other Corinthians, uh, the Bible tells us, after hearing, believed and were baptized. In Corinth also is where we were first introduced to Aquila and Priscilla. And uh, we, we all know them. They're the ones that helped Apollos learn the way of the Lord more clearly. However, the city of Corinth was chosen somewhat strategically by Paul to go there. Obviously guided by the Holy Spirit, he did go to the city of Corinth. At the time, it was a city that was bustling with economic activity. It was a port city. Uh, There was people from everywhere, kind of a melting pot. However, it did have degraded culture, a mix of different idolatrous religions. Uh, They had temples to Greek and Roman gods. And it was also the place of the Ismanian Games, similar to the Olympics. And these were the chief glory of the city of Corinth. They took a lot of pride in the games. So the surrounding culture outside in which the church of Corinth was planted or resided was one of personal self-reliance. One of competition, not only commercially, economically, but also personally. 
It was a culture of sexual immorality where it was not uncommon for people to still see temple prostitutes, degraded morality. Uh, these were considered normal where people worshipped idols and sacrificed food to these idols. This is where Paul, their spiritual father, decided to plant a church in Corinth. He wanted these Christians to live out their faith boldly, to proclaim Jesus in that culture. However, as after Paul spends a little bit of time with them, builds up the church, he continues on his missionary journeys. And evidently, at some later point, he receives word that things in Corinth are not going that well. Corinth, the church in Corinth, is facing some big issues. They're dealing with some big issues. And this is the letter to the Corinthians that Paul chooses to address those issues. And obviously, we have not a lot of time this evening to go through all of those, but the church is dealing with divisions, right? They're dealing with sexual sins. They're dealing with issues of food and idols and sacrifice. They're also dealing with the gathering. How do services run? Uh, how do the spiritual gifts get used? Who gets priority? They're also dealing with doubts about the resurrection. So to kind of simplify and put all these together, the church in Corinth is dealing with some of the same issues that our churches are dealing with today. Not specifically Bethesda Church, but all churches are dealing with today. The churches start to reflect the outside culture of the day instead of reflecting Christ. The churches start to resemble the outside culture instead of resembling Christ. So this is the context in which Paul is addressing the church of Corinth. And he does so pretty interestingly with this allusion to a race. Do you not know that all who run in a race, they all run, but only one receives the prize? He's using this imagery of a race as something very familiar to anybody that lived in Corinth. And clearly, Paul speaks pretty in detail about the race, giving the impression that maybe he himself witnessed or watched one of these events at some point in the city of Corinth. We're inferring. However, he talks about this race. Do you not know that all who run in a race, but only one receives the prize, run in such a way that you receive it, that you obtain it? Anybody who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. So Paul starts to use this illustration of the race to encourage the church in their race. What is the race? What is the course? Right? It's marked out, it's measured for us. It's our Christian life. Our Christian life is the race that Paul is talking about to the Corinthians, but also to us. The starting place is the foot of the cross, and the end is when you close your eyes and breathe your last breath. How are you running your race? How is your race? Are you personally reflecting the outside culture in your life personally? Because as a church, right, we're running the race. We're doing the call of God. We're living up to the Great Commission. 
But as an individual, the church is made up of individuals. The race is run by individuals. God's not going to say, collectively, all of Bethesda won the prize. He's going to say, no, Flav, did you strive to compete in such a way to obtain the prize? Did I strive in such a way to obtain the prize? It's an individual examination that Paul is calling the Corinthian church to, and I am calling us as well this evening. An individual examination. Philippians 3 and verse 14 tells us, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's not enough to think we're running the race, to say, hey, I'm going to do it the way I want. These are my rules. I'm going to train this way. I'm going to eat this or do that when there is a clear distinction for the rules to compete in a race. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And in these games that were held in Corinth, the athletes actually had a really strict regimen. They had to abstain from food, uh, very strict diets. They had very tough physical uh, training that they had to do for months before they would even qualify to compete in these games. They even had to be of pure moral character. They would have to go before the crowd and see if anybody would accuse them of not having good character or good conduct. Did we, you know, did this man steal? Is he a thief? Is he, you know, all sorts of things. And even from a sexual immorality standpoint, they were, the athletes were held to a very high standard. And that's one of the reasons why Paul uses this analogy of the race Because the church could easily identify with that and say, well, have I, in this spiritual race, in this spiritual run that I'm partaking in, am I upholding myself and competing according to the rules? So, what are some of the items that Paul mentions here for some of us that are in this race, right? Well, one... They do it to obtain a perishable crown, we for an imperishable crown, but I run thus, not with uncertainty. Not with uncertainty. So when you start on the race, right, when an athlete gets on the track, he knows what the finish line is. He knows what the goal is. They don't run with uncertainty. They know where they're going, right? They say, okay, I have to run four miles, or I have to finish eight miles, or some of the crazy people here that run marathons, you know, I don't even know how many miles you guys run. I can't do it. But you know the goal. You know the end line. You say, that is the goal. We're not running with uncertainty. However, a lot of Christians approach their spiritual walk that way. We stumble around. Uh, we follow different teachings that we hear. One week, this guy sounds good. The next week, that guy sounds good. We don't compete according to the rules, and we don't see the goal. We don't strive to reach the goal. What is the goal? What is the goal? To obtain an imperishable crown. Timothy says in 1 Timothy 6.12, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Eternal life, that is the goal. 
And what does that mean? That means in this race, you're going to have obstacles, right? The athletes endure certain challenges, right? Whether it's, you know, a steep incline or if it's running or if a tough opponent, if it's boxing, there's obstacles. There's things that come in your way. And even this morning was preached about what we fight against in our spiritual run, right? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We're going to have opponents. We're going to have obstacles. But James, in chapter 1, verse 12, says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. We're going to have obstacles. Paul, in uh, 2 Corinthians and chapter 6, tells about all the trials that he endured in his spiritual race. Great endurance, they they encountered afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. This was Apostle Paul. But we, at our own individual level, are going to encounter obstacles. For some, it might look like sickness. For some, it might be a physical sickness. For others, it might be depression, anxiety, a spiritual attack. It could be losing somebody close to you. And we're definitely in a season where at least everybody here is either close to or knows somebody that has lost a loved one, unfortunately. Whether parent, sibling, friend, relative, this is a period of trial. You're going to encounter obstacles. But he who endures, the Bible tells us, Revelation 2 and verse 10, it says, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation. But be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. I'm here this evening to encourage you in this race that we're all running. We're all coming against opposition, we're all going to encounter opponents. It's going to be tough, but we must endure to the end. Because the prize, the incorruptible crown that we strive for is eternal life, is eternity with Jesus. And I want to conclude this evening with an example of somebody who ran the race before us. He was one of the first disciples to receive the faith in the Bible, And I'm not going to read uh, to preserve the time, but uh, it's found in Acts chapter 7 and chapter 8, speaking about Stephen. He received the call of God. He proclaimed boldly the word that Jesus is the Messiah in a tough tough, uh, circumstance, in an area where the religious Jewish people didn't want to hear it. He was running the race. He was looking forward to defeating the obstacles that stood before him. And boldly he proclaimed Jesus. And the Bible tells us that full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. His face shone as he was being stoned 
by those that opposed him. And yet, and I'll turn there briefly now, And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. But in verse 55 of chapter 7, he said, But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He ran the race. And even in the midst of the toughest opposition, with the strength of the Holy Spirit, he received his imperishable crown. I ask this evening, like the church in Corinth, are you dealing with disunity, with maybe sexual sins, Idolatry, where you're putting other things before God in your life, acting out of love, is the outside culture influencing you and impacting your spiritual race? Or are you reflecting Christ in your race? And are you ready that even in the tough opposition, with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you may look up and say, Lord, I am ready to receive my imperishable crown. May God strengthen each and every single one of us, and may we finish the race well. Amen.